0: not a robot. You are a robot. I am not <laughs> Did a you robot. see what just took place here? Look I just poured myself a cup of human coffee and
1: I mean no, coffee. You walked over just saw a random cup sitting on the counter and went that's where coffee goes like I, yeah man that was my cup of coffee.
0: I had was rolling on the assumption that you were still drinking your cup of coffee and that was the guest cup.
1: Well I mean there's no way that it was empty and clean. There must have been
0: shit in it. Okay, I, I pay attention to what, when? Again, you fucking robot. Just, oh, that's where coffee go. It was a cup, and it was near the coffee cup. Didn't pie.
1: figure in, you know, the human emotions of, hey, look inside the cup to see if it's clean, because human beings like drinking out of clean cups. No, just right into the goddamn cup.
0: Look, I got three well, spoons. fucking robot. <laughs> I got three spoons left tonight, and if I would have spent a spoon on that, I'd have fucked up this podcast. Ah, I can't believe you. <laughs> You're the fucking worst. Anyway, I'm a fucking monster.
1: So, I don't know. What do you want to talk about?
0: Uh, what do you got going on? Uh, the
1: dishwasher is loud. I have a feeling this is going to be a real wandery one because <laughs> we're doing it inside, mm-hmm. and we're we're not freezing goddamn cold, so everything's like loose and buttery, then mm-hmm. all slidey.
0: Yeah, this is going to be a summertime podcast. Homie. Oh yeah,
1: it's going to be breezy.
0: Hmm. We should probably have worn pants. It would have been less breezy.
1: No, I'm wearing pants. I would appreciate it if you would put yours back
0: on. If you have, in fact, removed them, that would make me very uncomfortable, you goddamn robot. I put a towel on the chair before I sat down, goddammit. I'm not an animal. This is what people do. People sit on butt. Exactly. (laughs) And I had placed the proprietal towel, so I do not transfer organic matter. Uh, You goddamn robot. Shut up and enjoy your human coffee. Just
1: fucking putting your signals out there everywhere. Mm-hmm. Relaying information. <laughs> Using my semiotics. And speaking of relaying information, hey everybody, welcome to Horror Vomit, where we talk about horror movies so you don't have to. My name is Chris Pfaff, and I'm one of your hosts.
0: And I am James Marino and I'm the other one of your hosts.
1: Ugh. Mm-hmm. Big wad of shit in my throat through that whole thing. It really <laughs> bothering me. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't eat shit. No, uh, but this week, James. Yes, we didn't eat
0: shit. Absolutely, the we fu- not. We watched 2008
1: Pontypool, mm. written by Tony Burgess, directed by Bruce McDonald, starring Stephen McCaddy as Grant Massey, Lisa Howell as Sydney Breyer, and Georgina Riley as Laurel Ann Drummond. James. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fucking outer space robot. Mm-hmm. How'd you like Pontypool,
0: dude? Thank you for having me watch this movie yeah. This movie Fucking rocked And not in the way a lot of the movies We've recently watched that I've enjoyed rock This is a This is a regular movie movie It looked like a movie If, if you follow me we've seen a lot of cinema Yes, It's like a movie Sounds like a movie Far more than a movie mm-hmm. It's like It's weird it's like these. It's not art house but it is and it's really I'm really hard pressed to tell you why, but the the ideas that it pronounced or put out, the themes that whether or there or aren't presented so much stuff that I could read a lot of themes into it, and that's what most art house movies do for me. It allows me to fill in a lot, but it also gives me enough to hang my ideals on, and it just did it so well, absolutely. So I cannot wait to read the source material. Because one of the things that have always fascinated me is language, the use of language, um, how ideas get from one person to the other, because I often have trouble with that in just regular conversation. I'm fascinated by it through reading. But to see see the idea of language and how it was depicted on screen really blew me away. So
1: this, I'm going to agree with a lot of what you said, this movie rules. I really love this, and being just an aspiring, low budget horror filmmaker, this is how you do that. Mm-hmm. This is how you take very limited monies and turn it into something that fucking rules. Mm-hmm. And, like you had kind of alluded to, you do that through writing. Absolutely. And by writing a good story, because when you don't have millions of dollars to do splatter effects and to really make things gruesome and realistic, this is what you do with that. Mm-hmm. And it's effectively a zombie movie where you barely ever even see a zombie.
0: In fact, if you want to think about the amount of gore that we've seen, the amount of horrific you know, things that were, we're you know, shown on screen... The use of the violence in the gore, which is very, very minimal throughout this whole thing, but when you see it, it is so striking because there's so little of it, and and they really use that effectively. Um, everything on here, the use of voice, yeah, the the guy who played uh, Mazzy, oh yeah, that motherfucker. He was, it. he was he was born to play that role because I know when I was in high school, I used to go to the same 7-Eleven Cross from the high school all the time, get my smokes and, you know, do my dirty work before school. And there was always a a radio DJ that would stop there on his way or, to or from work, Larry Lujak. And to, and I'd heard him talk, like, in real life before. He's like, get the fuck out of my way, kid. You know? And, um, and that was just like, they don't look anything alike but they were exactly alike it's like he, he knew it mm-hmm. down to everything so it was beautifully portrayed
1: and this is a, a, just a real look at the uh, uh, talk radio especially kind of right leaning talk radio
0: dude I I swore the first time I saw it I was like fucking that's Don Imus
1: yeah pretty much It's this inflammatory DJ, I guess if we're going to get into a little bit of a synopsis. I don't know how many people have seen Pontypool. Probably not a lot. But a radio DJ uh, encounters a very confused woman on his way to work. And throughout the day, they're hearing reports of massive amounts of violence and death and very strange goings-ons. And to realize that they're surrounded by what we'll call zombies for the sake of simplicity. Mm -hmm. And how do they survive that?
0: Absolutely. That's
1: that's pretty much it. Mm -hmm. But it's such a great example of how you do low-budget filmmaking. Because this is effectively one room. Mm -hmm. This is a one-set shot. It's fucking great. But
0: at no point do you feel... A lot of these times where we're in places where we're in one spot, they use it to make you feel claustrophobic. They make it used to make you feel confused. I was at, n- at no point in that movie did I have not have an awareness of where I was, which is very different. But I still had that anxiety, that out-of-place, like, what's happening kind of feel without – I won't say it's a cheap effect because it's very effective if used sparingly. They didn't use it at all. They still gave me that feeling. And that is, again, we're talking about storytelling, about keeping me engaged. You know, I rarely watch the movie all the way through, and I did have to break this one up. I I think I watched uh, the first hour and ten minutes, and then I finished it, which is rare for me. And then I watched it again. I literally watched it again today. And I don't think I've ever in my life watched the same movie twice in one day since I was ten. Because I don't have the mental capacity to really want to do that.
1: And did it strike you immediately? Because I watched this a few times as well. When it starts the second time immediately, that very long diatribe that he goes on where it ends with all of these little things that you had never noticed before now stand out mm-hmm. very, very pronouncedly. And on a second watch through, all of the strange behaviors and erratic, like, you know, because on the first time through, it seems like it's kind of written wonky. Mm-hmm. Because people say things that are just kind of out of place, yeah. not super out of place sometimes, but just a little. Where like, well, that didn't really—that's not a response to mm-hmm. whatever th- this other person was saying. But on a second watch through, like,
0: oh yeah, this all makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. And it, and like, if you think about it, like you know the old albums that would start and stop with the same sound. So like on a Pink Floyd album, it might start out with somebody saying, you know, marble red, marble red. And end up going marble red mar- and come back around so you could hear it. This movie was set up like that. So if you watched the whole thing and you started over again, it's telling you what to look for. And that is beautiful. Whether it was intentional or unintentional, I'm hoping it was intentional. It is really remarkable because there's quite a, a lot of things about this movie that were remarkable. That and it, and it was just a bunch of regular little things. Nothing spectacular. It wasn't some phenomenal touch here and a phenomenal touch here. It was just absolutely perfectly placed not too much not too little it was just artfully just enough
1: and do you know what makes it that way i would think anyway mm. several rewrites this is how you write films is mm. you go back through and go oh we can put this here and we can do this we've watched a lot of movies where it feels like it's a first draft
0: and they got to get it in the can
1: yeah Mm-hmm. Where they just they needed to write something, so here's a story. And you go, well, none of this makes sense. This is what happens when you go back through your scripts and go, oh, well, if we structurally rearrange this a little bit, little bit, a little bit, on a second watch through, it's a really smart, enjoyable experience. That's what happens when you take the time to write your films. And I know with the recent writer's strike and what have you, that's why that's why you need competent writers mm-hmm. because this movie could have been
0: a pile of shit. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there was so many ways that this movie could have just fucking gone pear-shaped. Um, but to the, to that end too, um, God damn it. I forgot. It's okay. It doesn't matter. There's just so much to talk about on this movie, but,
1: but effectively opening the film with, after, on a second watch through, we know that you're not supposed to be using, uh, mm. words of affection, and it immediately honey, starts the cat. with honey. Mm-hmm. That's like one of the first words, words. of the film. It's so fucking smart. Because that,
0: that leads me into, you know, one of my theories is that he caused it and is continuing to cause it. Yes. But my other theory is that he is absolutely out of his goddamn mind and nothing happened outside of it. And he killed everybody in there and that's how he filled it in.
1: So let's let's go unpack that first one. That he is causing it. Yeah. So that,
0: I mean, okay.
1: But you what, wait till the third one. Though. Well, hold on. What's your interpretation of this?
0: Okay. My actual interpretation is not that, but that was one of the thoughts that I had. It's like, because as I was watching the movie, I'm like, because, you know, we've seen a couple where, you know, it could have been in their head. It could have not been in their head. So I was running it, that scenario through my head and it was working up to a point and then it stopped. There was another point where Dr. Menendez or Mendes. Yeah, Mendes, yeah. Dr. Mendes said, it's the end of your world. And I rewound and make sure I heard that. If you keep doing that, it will be the end of your world. Like he was either A, already infected, and he is helping other <laughs> people to spread the infection, or he, you know, whatever the host is that put whatever this down, however this became, that he was the cause of it. Because it was like, if it's an alien invasion or whatever, it's the end of your world. Like, they're all vessels or something.
1: See, because I took that as kind of a direct allegory for a uh, Rush Limbaugh-type character. That when you are saying all of these things publicly, just out loud, Mm -hmm. throughout the radio, it, it will eventually kind of create this... For lack of a better term, horde of mindless zombies. Well,
0: that is the and, that is the big theme because we were earlier in there. He even says, "Look, you know, it's even laid out so beautifully." Because he sits there and said, "Look," he even says, "I'm doing this because I am polarizing people, and when people are polarized, they're going to listen to your shit and tell everybody to listen to your shit because listen to what this polarizing yeah, this motherfucker pissed just off said."
1: Guy's going to tell his pissed off brother, and his pissed off brother will tune in and then tell his pissed off preacher
0: right so we're talking about that polarization and, and then it's put in perfect light because as he's talking his shit eh, they're, they're fucking alcoholic police officers and you know well those guys are actually alcoholics and uh probably gonna lose their job now i have to deal with it mm-hmm. you said that this is this is not the city buddy this is we know everybody fucking here and we say oh yeah I'm probably gonna you know, they're probably gonna go out and have a joint and the drug dealers are gonna come and throw a claymore through their fucking window. And I'm like
1: Yeah, the <laughs> the drug dealers around here are engaged in deadly business with booby traps and yeah. they'll use whatever means necessary to murder your children. Like mm-hmm. it that real inflammatory right wing horseshit. And the thing is he does the wrong thing every single time. Mm-hmm. He is solely responsible when they know that they should be off of the radio mm-hmm. and not speaking anymore because it's causing all this violence. But if he refuses thi- to let go of his career and just continues.
0: But if you think about it, that's the only reason why they have not been infected. Because if you think about this, he's not listening to her, she's not listening to him. The other one's kind of listening to one but not the other, and it's all miscommunication because none of them are listening or reacting or accepting because they are so either up their own ass or so worried about outside things you know, that because they could not communicate, they weren't becoming infected. Because they weren't paying attention to the message that they were putting out, they weren't becoming infected because they, A, didn't believe what they were saying, or B... So none of these words meant anything to them. And the only time it stopped is when the, what's her butt, the Iraqi vet, the, the young one? Yeah. When she started understanding what one person was saying, oh, fuck, that was my Valentine's. I was supposed to do this. Switch. Sw- That's when she understood an interpersonal communication. So it's written large and small. And they do that several times with the overlying theme of, you know, polarization sucks. They're also putting miscommunication sucks. And if you put out a message without understanding the message, it will be revisited upon you. Mm-hmm. And it's all inferred. It's laid out. They say certain things, but they leave it to you, the audience, to go, how does that relate? What am I going to relate that to? And I love that they they are rewarding me by not thinking that I'm dumb. They're not they're not um, downplaying, they're not playing to the lowest common denominator. Here's the story. If you want it, it's here. You can add to it, or you can just go for this.
1: And that's why I think I really love the Dr. Mendez character because he shows up and he gives us some broken exposition. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't make any sense to us because we don't know what this character knows. But he doesn't give us so much that it just kind of like pauses the movie for him to explain exactly what's happening and exactly what to do about it. He shows up and he's just a crazy eccentric asshole. He's like, oh shit, we should watch this girl.
0: But speaking back to the writing, I remembered my point. I think one of the reasons why we have a very rich and in-depth thing is because it's based on a book. Now, a lot of times they take the book and they distill it and they're going to cater to the fans and they have to have this piece and that piece. And if you don't have this character, this was not that kind of book. It seems like the director found this book and went and said, hey, I can really do something with this and took out all the stuff. Their problem might have been too much stuff. What are they going to take out to keep the story intrinsic? So they had a very large thing to work from. They scaled it down to even more smaller that was instead of the town it was the station and the town surrounding and that was again beautiful because of the limited budget and it was done in such a way that i would be like in some movies i'm like oh you're cheating you just don't want to show the monsters but because i grew up listening to radio plays from my stepdad he had them on albums and you'd put them on for me and for a neurodivergent fuck like me if I could visualize everything and I'd heard the voices, it just, the whole new world came to me. And they they did that. It was like a radio play. You could see the people, but it was really a radio play because the monsters, like War of the Worlds, the monsters are out there. You don't see them. You know it's there. You can feel it, and little things are happening to prove it. But that menace was even more visceral to me than seeing the hordes of zombies or whatever coming. Oh, and Do you like that one spot where... We're doing the obits. Yeah. Oh, fuck! That was amazing.
1: See, and that's what I wanted to add to what you were just saying about it being almost like a radio play, because you could absolutely listen to this movie. Mm -hmm. But that does not mean by any means that it is not shot well. It is shot fantastically, and when you are as engaging as a radio play would be, because once again, you could not pay attention to this and just listen to it with your eyes closed, Mm -hmm. and you would follow. Every single thing that's happening. To also be able to see it and it not be this over-the-top, insane, like, yeah. oh, you know, zombies came spilling through the walls. Well, there was like four or five people in there walking around jibber-jabbering. Mm-hmm. But at no point was it just absolutely bananas.
0: Well, yeah. Well, there were a couple points.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, they kick a girl to death. but, uh, but
0: Well, when um, Anna, what's her name? What was the, the Iraqi vet? Oh, uh, Laurel Ann. Laurel Ann. When she started biffing her... We've seen this effect before, and I fucking love it every time, and I probably won't get sick of it for another couple years. But she starts whacking her head into that glass. Hard. Hard. I mean, amazingly hard. And then after she bit that electrical outlet or whatever the hell she did in her... I don't know that practical. I know they probably just dried her lip and stuck it out there like that and put in a, a front but it looked horrifying. Uh-huh. And when she came back and her lip was like that and she was popping, you could hear it clack on the glass and I'm just like, no, God, no. And the other one that was horrifying was when they, <laughs> when they had the Lawrence of Arabia, the musical. <laughs> and they had everybody in there standing and they had that poor girl in brown face. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking to myself, 2008, rural Canada, yeah, I see it. Yeah. They weren't glorifying it. You know what? They they weren't were making a huge statement about it. They were just saying.
1: No, it was this group of weirdo fucking singers that came in mm-hmm. to sing, was it The Sands of Nephrim?
0: Yeah. Or something. I looked it up. There has never been a Lawrence of Arabia musical. Mm-hmm. No. No.
1: It is just a bunch of cracker-ass but white dudes. One of them them sw- about like, my duty will be fulfilled when I spill your sacred blood. But the
0: thing is, one of them was supposed to be Osama bin Laden. Uh huh. Yeah, because they're a toy Uzi. Yeah, <laughs> and even Grant's pissed off about it. Mm-hmm. And well, what I like though is that later, when you forgot all about it, everybody's gone. That that little kid in a brown face and zipped. And, it, and again, they did it right because I love it when they, they're they very fast and they're very violent, but not faster and more violent than a human could be. And that makes it scarier.
1: Yeah, they don't transform physically. No, not at all. It's just a, like a 14-year-old girl, that a 50-year-old man, and a 35-year-old woman just stomped to death in a hallway. Mm-hmm. It rules. Yeah. And again, it's shot in a way where we don't have to see any sort of gruesome violence. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm against it, but this movie didn't need it. Also couldn't afford it. Mm -hmm. When you can't do it, just don't do it. Yeah. There's
0: ways around it. And this is proof of that. It's fucking fantastic. If you can intimate, if you can insinuate, if you can just get us to get there with just a hint, with just a little picture, that takes so much talent. It's relatively easier to show you, show you. But if I don't have the money to show you, I have to find a way to show you. And the amount of creativity it takes to go, okay, fuck, 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 fuck. We really have to get this scene, but we can't do this, this, and this. What can we do to really, really pull that out of our audience? And they did it. They figured it the fuck out. And that, to me is more impressive than, you know, one of the big directors again, okay, okay, we got CGA, okay. Who are we gonna hire? Okay. Yeah,
1: just insert some blood here. Hey,
0: I got some money for a good script. Uh and just okay, so where's the art in that? That's that's <clears throat> to me, that's like being a subcontractor. Okay. And I've been on a million job sites because I used to do job cleanup. So you, you contractors a guy, okay, we can get it in at this bid. Boom, we've got a finished product. You get the Or six craftsmen come in. The six craftsmen might take about another six months to make your house, but you only have to make that house once. And it's a testament to your building prowess. And I prefer the craftsmen in the movie. Even if it's a shit movie, even if it doesn't take off and you can see the work, I, I would watch ten of those before I'd watch a tentpole at this point. Mm-hmm. And not even, I love tentpole movies, I really do. I just rewatched watched uh, what, Birds of Prey yesterday. I fucking love that movie. Oh, that movie's a fucking
1: blast, man. Right. I, I went into that, it was, for some reason, it was like, I was up late, and I really needed to go to bed. I was like, well, what am I not going to watch? Oh, this Harley Quinn movie, I am not going to pay attention to this at all. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, the credits were rolling, and it was like 1.30, like, oh shit, yeah. I I had so much fun that I didn't notice that that much time had went by. That
0: fucking movie's a riot. Because I, I don't want to give the impression that I'm like this erudite, jaded prick. I mean, I am a prick. <laughs> but, you know, but as far as movies go, I, I'm not that discerning. But when I, when I come, when now that I'm learning, you know, the craft that goes into these things. And, and I love, again, I've talked about it a million times I'll talk about it again. The The... The amount of creativity caused by limitations. You know, I could write, I'll, I could write something that rhymes. Where I can write something that rhymes that has to rhyme every third time. The one that has to rhyme every third time, I got to craft. I've got to take the time. I've got to add things, subtract things, make sure everything fits. But at the end, it's a full, fully thought out, measured piece. And I love those, even if they don't hit.
1: Yeah, because I. I love just the little additions of uh, them arguing about mm-hmm. okay well now you have to go down and kill the doctor I don't want to kill the doctor well you might as well you already killed the kid like, you, you killed the kid I oh alright fine I guess I'll go kill the doctor like this little argument that they're having in the midst of this fucking chaos mm-hmm. well
0: and again going back to my doctor as alien theory okay everything's gone down he knows everything about all these people. So he somehow stayed alive knowing all this, right? Without getting infected. He's been around all this, right? He sneaks in. Where? are about... He gets in there about, what, 25 to 30 minutes in? Or about 20 minutes, I'll just say, for shits and giggles. He climbs through the window. Expose. Almost gets it, doesn't. But why didn't he get it before when he was with... You know, when he was surrounded by them and he was watching them and taking notes? He obviously could have understood one of the words... And then it goes, he somehow manages to not get it that time and just on asses. See, what
1: I was wondering too is, are the only people not affected by it are people that are fucked up?
0: Yeah. Think about Yeah, because she was drunk. It was like the Andromeda strain.
1: Because Grant was drinking all morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, he asks uh, Sydney, the producer, if she smokes pot. And she says, yes, I do. Insinuating that she's possibly high. The doctor's clearly on some sort of speed because people were there protesting because he was yeah, over. I didn't think about pills. that.
0: That's right. Because, you know, they'd intimated he'd been and, in trouble from, on 100 the, counts of something. I didn't know what the counts were. And the cops that were supposedly, Alcoholics.
1: supposedly drunk are the ones that were called in. We hear them die.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. I did not put that together. I like it. I like it. Wow.
1: And you can slowly see as the day goes on, uh, Grant and Sydney succumbing to it, meaning that when they're starting to. Their shit were off.
0: off. And if we can add to that, if we can extrapolate, you know, now that we're more aware of neurodivergence, you know, to have the only people be left at the station would be me bouncing off the walls, (laughs) yeah. Because I I barely understand what's going on 90% of the time anyway. Oh, wow. That would be an interesting. Wow. Because we kind of saw that idea from the possessing entity that had trouble with the autistic child. Yeah. Because it couldn't read the brain patterns.
1: And that's what the trouble understanding things.
0: Yeah, the autism.
1: Well, no. No, I'm just it, saying it, would it, be
0: something that would stop this. Maybe, yeah. Because it was a completely different way of interacting with the world.
1: Yeah, it was getting ideas in your head and then that transforms you.
0: Yeah, semiotics is the idea of and not specifically language but the transference of ideas from one person to another in any kind of way as opposed to just verbal or just written and so we are thinking of semiotics as the monster understanding is the monster when when um oh god damn it when polarization is is the enemy oh wow i like that yeah so this I, movie's I, deep in shit, man. So I
1: do want to dig into your uh, uh, theory on it was him cracking and he killed everybody.
0: Yeah, because in my head, it's like he didn't... Win- okay, when we're introduced to him, he's bitching about going to the thing. Now, he stops at stoplight. Now, in my head, she taps on the window. In my head, well, maybe she didn't tap on the window. Maybe he clipped her. And he's running it through his head that, hey, blood, blood, blood. You know, cause, and then when do you call 911? Right, because then, and then I'm thinking that that's his, you know, that's his kind of confession. And he feels that the time is running out. People are dying. People are missing. He's slowly losing it. You know, well, words are killing everybody. My words are killing him. Maybe my words are killing everybody. You know, I, am I at fault? Did I, you know? And so in my head, he was causing it every time, because he's the one who said, honey. He's the one who is continually doing the wrong thing on the radio. And if this, you know, that would be a great way to keep me from saying, well, you know, really, my words don't really hurt anybody. You know, it's it's kind of a half-formed idea because I kind of let it go half-formed because I started to develop new ones. But that was the way I was running. I'm like, either he's causing everything and he's the alien presence or the doctor is, or he's going absolutely insane and that's the only way he can keep from feeling guilty about killing all these people.
1: Yeah, maybe because I mean his life's kind of in the shitter.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, but you know we do a podcast, buddy. Uh, you know I'm sure if if well, we did I a mean, radio for a living, right? <laughs> what broken I mean toys. Is
1: that, like he uh, he's fallen from grace, I guess you could say. Yeah. From his uh, presumably prestigious. Position that we are never made completely aware of. Well, that's why I made the but correlation. But he's known.
0: Yeah, that's why I made the correlation to Imus because he he was big and then he uh, made all that racist and sexist shit. Mm-hmm. And then he wasn't. Yeah. And I was like, and that's why I drew the correlation. I'm like, oh wow, because he he was big and now he ain't.
1: And I really, really also like that they added an entire character that we never see.
0: Oh yeah, Ken Loney in the Sunshine Chopper. And this is, again, the small town thing. Well, he's a pedophile. He is? Well, we don't know, but nobody lets your kids around him. Yeah,
1: that's what I was saying is that slowly they start to sober up and it's starting to eat their brains because she, the entire time, has done nothing but, like, defend Ken. And then feels almost embarrassed that she just blurted out, well, he's a pedophile.
0: Mm-hmm. Well,
1: we don't know that, yeah, but we we never left the kids
0: alone around him. Mm-hmm. But
1: also, I've known the guy for like seventeen years.
0: Yeah, and and that's kind of a scary a scary sentence in and of itself, mm-hmm. you know. And I, and I like the fact that they put that out for you to kind of oh dear, you know, because I've not heard that specific thing, but I've heard things like that, and it it brings out a really. Horrible thing in me, so I, <clears throat> you know, <sighs> yeah,
1: well, yeah. It, I think the big takeaway from this though is that, yeah, words do matter, mm-hmm. and especially when you start following, uh, I guess back then it would have been radio, but that's sort of fallen to the wayside nowadays so much. But all like, I was just happening to watch One America News the other day mm-hmm. because I enjoy watching right wing dickheads. And every single thing that they presented was so uh, skewed
0: and clearly skewed. And And very specifically, made to make you scared. Yes. To make you afraid. Afraid of everything. Because if you're afraid, then you defend. And if you defend, the more you defend, the more you have to look to a leader. (laughs) Do you see where that goes? Sure do. hmm Fuck that shit.
1: And that's what the, a lot of people, you know, have said, yeah, Rush Limbaugh really did ruin America. Like, almost single-handedly. It, I mean, that's certainly not true. No. It, 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 was,
0: it was going that way since about 77, 78, because then they had the TV shows that weren't quite as Limbaugh-y, but if you listen, you can hear it. Um, there were quite a few before Limbaugh. Limbaugh was the one... That spun it up.
1: That really solidified the right-wing Cause remember presence them, in radio.
0: Well, then Morton Downey didn't, didn't hurt much either. Well, no, but... but he, he, he wasn't right-wing, but he would give them a platform. And some people would be like, Ah, look at them knuckleheads. But he put them in front of national TV. Now, there are 30 guys that are watching in Iowa going... Well, now, now, wait a second. Wait a second, buddy. I I
1: agree with what this guy,
0: yeah. I I don't know why that guy's throwing a chair. This guy's making sense. And fuck him for that because he opened the door for the Limbaugh's and the Knuckleheads.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And I think this is clearly one of those guys who took it that one step too far, like you said, like a Don Imus who Mm -hmm. said some shit and now he's stuck in the basement of this church being told, like, no, man, just read the fucking school closures. And
0: I I love that too because you take a look at that dynamic, okay? Look at the size of the fucking nuts on his guy. Mm -hmm. I just got fired for doing what I'm doing right now and I'm giving you shit on your station because I know better. No, you fucking don't. You just got fired. And I was waiting because I was... I like the fact that this made me uncomfortable because the acting was so good and the interplay between those two was amazing. They... They they had some fucking chemistry, those two. I wouldn't be surprised if they were together in real life at one time, because they fucking had it. But, uh, yeah, they're, 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 no, I forgot my point. I was just like, I was amazed. It,
1: well, it's that she's constantly oh, yeah. in his ass about, dude, just do your fucking job. That's all I need from you, is to do your job. You can do your little shtick, whatever you want to do. After you do your fucking job. Mm-hmm. And it's always these right wing dickheads that won't just do that. They always feel like they need to be pushing the envelope in a certain direction. And it starts with little shit like that.
0: And I thought too, my initial reaction to any authority is like, you need to lighten the fuck up. I only felt that for about a second and a half because you could see the resignation on her face. Like this is going to be some fucking work. And you could see the workaround you could actually see her going, "Okay, I'm gonna take a deep breath, you do it you let you do your stick a little later, like you just said, stick a little later. You've been hired to do a job, and i, I like to see that resolve it, it wasn't a bitch, it was nothing. It was just saying, "Hey, this is my job. these are my people. You do your job, and then you can fuck around, but if you don't, I've got you know I've got about." About three hours of tape, I can cover your shift. We'll get somebody to fuck else. Oh, and yeah, and
1: she shuts him down. Mm-hmm. She takes him off of the air and berates him mm-hmm. until he finally puts his head down and goes, you know, fine, fine, fine. I'll I'll just do the whatever. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, you will.
0: And And I love that. And it didn't need to have that.
1: No, it's a dynamic that didn't need to be there because she could have just been the, you know, the pestering station manager. Mm-hmm.
0: But no, they made her right. And also, too, um, for the end, the kiss-kill part, there had been... It wasn't like a moonlighting where you, will they, won't they? They're always at odds ah, when they're going to kiss. But there were little things. There were little softnesses that they showed each other when they didn't need to. And I'm like, and what am I seeing here? And then the kiss-kill scene. You know, and I'm like, oh, that is absolutely amazing. Because we, they could have just done it, and it was so quick that I wouldn't have noticed if they didn't have that soft part. But the actors brought it. Mm -hmm. The actors fucking brought it. And I know that, God, this is what around two thousand. What you said, two thousand eight, two thousand. Yes. Okay, think about like right around that time. Um, I think Canada was doing a lot of like tax breaks. But uh, so America was filming like everything was filming. He's a
1: Canadian filmmaker.
0: Right. But I'm just saying that the thing was that there was a lot of filming there and uh, these people got a lot of work, more work than they normally would get because when the American productions were in town, they could bring all the Americans actors they wanted, but they had to have a certain percentage had to be Canadian actors like Mendez, like, uh, like Mazzy, like, um, what's her, but they were all, they've been in hundreds and hundreds of things. And so they were still affordable because they're TV actors you know, or they know the guy. So they're, you know, and there's a different pay scale out there. So they were able to get these seasoned, seasoned, seasoned actors for the small production. And they had so much work because we were doing so much work up there that they had, I love that about that. It would be great. Like if Grand Rapids said, okay, we'll give everybody tax breaks, but you have to give people who've lived in Grand Rapids for more than 10 years work. Any actor that's, you know, had a card in, in Grand Rapids for 10 years, you've got to give them work. That would be amazing for any town, especially any town's performers.
1: So I want to go back so. to what, we, what you were talking about with the uh, kisses kill, kill is kiss, kill is kiss, kill is kiss. When they finally do, that effectively is the moment that their fate is sealed. Yes, right?
0: yes, absolutely. Because
1: that is when we know that, oh yeah, you're dead.
0: Unless you consistently and constantly change your mode of speaking, then you are, or you never speak and you completely separate, and hopefully you never see anybody speak, you might make it. But that's not going to happen because we as human beings are hardwired to connect, to understand. Because I need to understand what your intentions are. So if we were like wild, you know, cave people, understanding your intentions is the most important thing of survival that I have. So there's no way as a human being that you can't stop yourself from understanding. And the idea of that is just completely horrifying to me.
1: And I really think it is the perfect ending to just have a countdown. Mm Mm-hmm. Just a countdown to when the bombs
0: fall. Mm-hmm. And then you hear the guy starting to repeat the same word, and I'm like, oh, that was absolutely brilliant because the world ended, and you know the world ended by him repeating the same word three
1: times. Mm-hmm.
0: That was a bow on the gift this movie brought to me.
1: And all the radio reports over the credits.
0: <clears throat> hmm mm. But let's get back to that one scene, the obits. Okay, go for it. Oh, fucking love how they did this because we talk about, like, there was no overtly jokey, joke, joke, jokes here, but there were funny parts. And the old bits, horrifying, but funny. You see a picture of a little kid holding a pitchfork. You know, Jimmy, age 19, killed such and such and such and such with a pitchfork yeah. and then killed himself. This person... When, and so they, they showed the progression his, of it.
1: His aunt, this, Mary Sue, age 39, responsible for the death of Jack Wallace, age 33. Now, Jack Wallace had also killed mm-hmm. this person in this just long, strange link of this amount of violence in this town. Plain,
0: regular folk in their coveralls. And it was funny because there were black and white stills or you see a picture of seven people, three people, two people. One other person... Six kids. Now, we know these people are all dead, okay? But the way they presented it was kind of lighthearted compared to the rest of the tone of the film. And it was that nice breather. We talk about um, rhythm of a movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Gave it just enough of a breather to go, okay, and then, bap,
1: bap, Yep, bap. And and it doesn't come at you with, like, the... uh we're going to have a whole set up and punch line for a joke. It's just little funny moments. Yes. That are just little comedy nuggets that, again, allow you to go, ah, all right, let's settle back in because they're going to try and explain more of what's going to, oh, nope, zombies are here. Yep.
0: <laughs> and I, I like the idea. Um, I like the idea of not, you know, th- we talk about how disease spread. I love when he was talking about, what's well, not blood and it's not airborne this is gone through understanding and i'm just like fuck me running again that it just put that extra bow on it because like our, our 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 general want is to understand in general and to have that be the thing that will kill you you're never i don't know about anybody else but i'm never going to stop trying to understand things or finding out how things work or why things are why and I was just like, oh, if that was taken away from me, what would that be like? Would, would I want to live? You know?
1: And I, again, I think it's so fucking brilliant. That little edition of them sending the message in French and hold on while we translate this, while we translate it, it says, do not use any words of affection, such as honey, sweetheart, love, do not talk to small children, do not, what is, fuck,
0: uh-huh.
1: um, yeah, avoid the English language and do not translate Translates. this
0: message. <laughs> that was absolute because he's reading. Uh, he's th- that beautiful voice and and we're gonna sing and, and do not read this message. I, I was waiting for him to go fuck. He didn't, but his face said it. And we we talk about this face. Fucking um, Mazzy's reaction faces are. Our-
1: fantastic oh
0: my god right up there with with the house one we saw with what's your butt yeah this guy because he's constant well you know the one where she was locked in the Just, house with the autistic kid in the wall what the fuck movie was sure. that? sure yeah oh, i love that movie anyway <laughs> and i can't remember it at all but oh shit i forgot my point god damn it of course he did i hate my brain uh i yeah. would have lived because my brain doesn't work yeah maybe hee <laughs> hee <laughs>
1: old broken brain, James just wandering through town following a horde of zombies. Like, well, I guess everybody else is going this way.
0: <laughs> and maybe there's some more food over there.
1: And I really love that they uh, get reports that they're all talking about U-boats. Because <laughs> there's some weird old-timer that was talking about Nazis. Mm-hmm. And once, again, once an idea spreads, until a new idea is introduced,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that is what these people seem to mutter.
0: And think about this too, like now with meme culture, you know, everybody's going to say the same thing till the new thing comes
1: and, and everybody's saying,
0: saying that, yeah, love it.
1: And that's what I'm saying is that if people, again, consumers of that kind of radio will often parrot ideas that they hear and mm-hmm. then when asked to back them up, have no recourse mm-hmm. And so they will just continue saying things that they do not understand. And think about and us, too. I love that. Again, as a setup for your horror film,
0: that's so fucking good. That's reminded me of one of my other favorite parts of this movie. When um, he's talking about, you know, like, she can't get in, and he's like, I've never seen one um, not be able to, you know, put the message out. To find a victim, yeah. I don't know what the fuck happens. I don't see this. What happens? She pukes. Blah! <laughs> Everything pukes out of her like she wants to get her message out, and she died because she couldn't get her message out. her message on, I don't on the same thing they said, and the same thing they said mm-hmm. and that is a beautiful commentary on these types of these types of um these types of ideas and how viral ideas can be and
1: again, two thousand eight before of uh, social media was
0: it like it is today anyway- mm-hmm. and again prescient not prescient on purpose but we just went through a whole, you know, a whole pandemic, mm-hmm. and it really speaks well, and even it even speaks well now, you know, talking about how things are spread, how you can't, how you can and can't stop them, the um, dispersing of information. And I liked earlier when they thought it was a hoax.
1: Yeah, and that's the other thing is we never know what is true and what's not.
0: And I thought it might have, it could have been a hoax because we saw the vampire movie without a vampire. Yeah. You know, so I was like, it could have been a hoax, and they really run you through it. That's why I had to watch it again, because I want to see what it felt like without having these preconceived notions, so I could kind of deal in on some details. Now I see how you do that. Yeah. You watch that fucker twice. I watch it day of. (laughs) Well, I mean, and it just
1: really speaks to how culture just in general works, because Mm -hmm. this is how it's been since radio was conceived, effectively. Mm -hmm. What was it before? Morality plays and preachers. Yep. Yep. On the radio, what do you have to do in exactly the middle of the country, Kansas, Iowa, whatever, you have a radio. Mm -hmm. The only thing on is a preacher. It develops these ideas, and we still see that in our media, in American culture at least, to this day. We see
0: it in the morals and standards that people supposedly have, or they claim to have. Mm -hmm. You know, while they're doing their shit.
1: Well, and it's, yeah, the idea that you can say inflammatory shit as long as it's the kind of shit that we like. Mm-hmm. As long as you don't take it that one step too far to where we have to disavow you. We can still agree with you. You'll still get another job. And in about five years, we'll let you back. Because I everybody at, was it the BBC, kind of knows who he is.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm sorry.
1: What? <laughs> You, Who, just fucking say it. goddamn!
0: Dude, you look like that fucking gorilla from Tarzan with your hair sticking up and I was trying not to laugh my ass off on air. So but I was trying did. to be...
1: You brought everything to a screeching halt to laugh and make hand motions about my hair. Things that no one
0: can see. I understand. This is why people don't listen, James. Yes, I understand. But dude... This is why people turn this off. I was at the point... Where I was just, I could think of nothing else but your fucking hair sticking up like a gorilla and I'm trying not to laugh. And I any idea that I might have in my head, all I could see is your fucking hair sticking up. So I had to say something. Man, you're about as bad as Jeff. Easy now. Yeah. Yeah, I said it. I said it and I meant it. Well, you can go ahead and fuck yourself now. Well, hey, James. Yes? Would you recommend Pontypool? I would recommend the fuck out of this movie to everybody. I don't care what kind of movies you like. I don't care if your favorite thing is My Pretty Pony, watch this fucking movie.
1: Yeah, it's not full of gore. It's not really going to offend anybody, really, unless Mm -hmm. the idea of being lied to by media offends you. But, I mean, it happens on both sides. I'm not here to just come down on the right wing. They just seem to be far more susceptible to it. Mm -hmm. But it is a perfect encapsulation of how these ideas, when unchecked and just thrown out there, spread
0: you know, for, like I always say, I don't care which side you're on. The zealotry sucks. And it, zealots can go fuck themselves. Mm-hmm. That's it. Sure can. But mm. yeah, go go watch Pool. It's finally available. Watch the fuck out of it. Let's get some money on this motherfucker's pocket because I want to see more. Oh, he's got tons of other movies. Really? Funny. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm so used to seeing like, like a movie like this that was real low budget. Oh, I get it. This guy is so good, he doesn't need to have a budget. He just, fuck, let's make a movie. Oh, oh, this dude makes some
1: movies, man. God damn!
0: I gotta see some more of his shit now.
1: Yeah, he's pretty good. Mm-hmm. He did uh, Hardcore Logo was one of his first films.
0: Well, I'm gonna have to go check that out, because I've heard of it, I never watched
1: it. Yeah, it's like a punk rock mockumentary. Hell yeah. Or yeah. documentary-ish style. I'd, I'd again, dig it. That low budget, just go out and make something cool.
0: Mm-hmm. And he
1: sure did with Pontypool.
0: Fuck yeah, watch this movie.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, James, Yeah. where can people find us? They can find uh, us
0: at horrorvomitpodcast at gmail.com. They can find us on Facebook. We have a little page. They can find us on all the podcasts. I have no idea why I'm talking like this. But give us all of the stars and a five-word review because, you know what? That puts us on the algorithms. Hey.
1: You've almost redeemed yourself for your tremendous uh, (laughs) problems earlier. Because, man... I'm still stewing about that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Move- You're rubbing your bald head. You know what? Yeah, take it in. Drink it in. My fine, luscious hair was slightly out of place.
0: Okay, you caught me. I'm just jealous you of your luscious locks. Fucking lies. penis.
1: You could see it